Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fundamentals Podcast. I am your host, Harley. Joining me on this episode to talk all things true crime, it's host of not one, not two, but three true crime podcasts, it's Mike Ferguson. Mike was kind enough to jump onto the show and talk with me about something that it's safe to say he's very passionate about, and that is, of course, true crime. It's a massive topic in the world of podcasting, not to mention documentaries, films, literature, the list goes on. And in this conversation, we get into all of the reasons as to why we feel that is and what the subject may have to offer to you if you've never given it a chance before. I really enjoyed this conversation. There was so much insight uh, and just passion that comes through really from Mike. And it's just one of my favourite conversations. So I really hope you guys enjoy it. And of course, I will put links and plugs into all of his stuff and where you can find him at the end of the show. So without further ado, let's just get straight into the conversation. This is True Crime with Mike Ferguson. Hello, Mike, and welcome to the Fundamentals podcast. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. I'm so glad we got to uh, we got to do this because uh, this is a subject that I've been wanting to get on the show for a while. And when I was thinking of people to reach out to, you were number one on my list because I've been listening to um, TCAT or True Crime all the time, as it's known, for quite some time. And it's it's a subject that I think a lot of people who are into podcasting know about because there's hundreds of great podcasts uh, for true crime and there's endless documentaries. It's, it's a huge topic. Uh, and it's just, I think it's so fascinating. So I want to know straight away from, for you, Mike, uh, when did you first sort of get into true crime? How did that interest start for you? Yeah, it, it started pretty young. Actually. I can remember probably being way too young to be watching some of the things that I was watching. <laughs> But, you know, I, right. I can go back to Unsolved Mysteries, uh, America's uh -huh. Most Wanted, shows like American Justice and City Confidential. For whatever reason, I just could never get enough of those. I was fascinated by the stories. I think a lot of it was the way that the stories were told. Not so much the, the goriness of it, I you know, right. but just trying to figure out how these people can do what they do. And, and, um, and then, you know, as I got older, I started reading books and it's just pretty much always been there. That's fascinating, man. And yeah, I think it's something that, that, that question that you said is, I would argue probably the key, isn't it? For most people, why you get interested in it is yeah. That question of why and how, how does somebody, you know, go out and murder 10 people, for example, or something like that. And so, yeah, so I guess that's really the root of, of what drives you and, and to do your show with, with you and your co-host, who is also Mike, yeah. also known as Gibby. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it is. And then I think it is for the listener as well, right? Because right. we're all living our daily lives. We do, you know, we go through our routines and do everything that we do. And then all of a sudden you hear about somebody doing something so unbelievable that you know, you can never picture yourself doing that. And you can't imagine how they came to the decision that, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I, and I think that's what fascinates people. It's really the, the mind and the, you know, how do these people grow up and what factors influence what they're 
ultimately, you know, later going to do in life. You know, you always have that question of nature versus nurture and, you know, all of that plays into it. Yeah, massively. And it's, I don't know about you. I feel like it's almost a question that's, there never seems to be an exact answer. And like, I, I get this impression when I listen to your show that you guys are exploring the story and the ideas. You know, I like that you never come out with a definitive, oh, this was it. And have you ever found then from doing all of that, that have you sort of, I guess, come to understand what it is that make, that makes some of these people do it? Or is it just really a case-by-case basis? I, I think it's definitely a case-by-case basis. And that's probably why we try not to be so definitive. It doesn't seem as though you can take factor X, Y, and Z and then understand that it's going to translate into someone doing this. So, you know, for example, we profile a lot of people who have unbelievably horrible childhoods, and there's no doubt that that plays some factor in what they're ultimately later going to do. But then you have a number of killers who grow up happy. They have all the support and love in the world from their families, and they still do horrible, unspeakable things. So, you know, you can't make that correlation um, with everyone. Yeah, that's so true, man. And because, yeah, some people, it, it, like you said, it could just be experience, like they go through a horrendous thing. Like some of the stuff you guys talk about, I have to admit, I want to first of all say like, well done to you and, and Mike, because how you get through it sometimes is beyond me. And I want to get to that in a minute. But yeah, that it seems kind of obvious. You think, okay, they've had a terrible upbringing you know they've learned violence and all of this stuff and you think kind of unfortunately explains why they go on to continue it and yeah others seem charming and seem friendly i mean one example that leaps out to me one of the most infamous is a guy like ted bundy for example who you know people it it, it it's something that people almost didn't believe at the time that his story came out because it's like well he seemed so normal and you know there was no signs there's no warning signs but there was obviously something you know could be a something biologically not right in the brain it could be a chemical imbalance you don't know and i guess that's kind of what makes these stories so interesting to look at right yeah i think so because it's never just one thing yeah it's always you know looking at a series of different Uh, life experiences or, you know, childhood experiences and just kind of working your way through it to figure out, okay, which of these kind of played a factor later on or, you know, and that would obviously would be the, the, the nurture part of it. You mentioned witnessing violence in the home and, and kind of thinking that, okay, this is how you do things because you witnessed it growing up and then you have kind of the the nature aspect of it is you know are some of these people just born with something and again i don't know what that something is and i don't know that it's the same for everyone but it's a desire it's a compulsion to seek gratification which we all have but unfortunately Mm. their gratification involves hurting other people yeah yeah and i think sometimes those are in a way kind of like the scariest ones because you like you don't see them coming you know and it's they can sort of almost go at anyone at random at any time um but it's fascinating i have to say um i'm really 
always impressed with how you guys put your cases together because you're very thorough in your research. So I guess really is that is that because you want to try and give the audience as a bigger picture as you possibly can, not necessarily, you know, streamlining it or kind of, yeah, not, you know, just going straight to the gory details, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, it's something that we tried uh, to strive for from the very beginning. So, you know, we, <clears throat> we subscribe to a lot of different services. You know, we, we read tons of old newspapers. We just try to gather as much information as we can um, not that other podcasts don't do that as well, but there are some podcasts that, you know, kind of go like a Wikipedia type route. And, and I'm not saying anything against that. We just want to maybe put in some of the facts and nuggets that maybe you won't hear on some other podcasts. That's kind of what we've strived to do and to be as accurate as possible. You know, one of the things that I've learned is researching as much as we do, you can find four or five different sources that have four or five different takes on the same information. So whether oh, okay. it's, let's say a victim's age or the perpetrator's age at, at the time, mm -hmm. three or four different newspapers, they, somebody's wrong, right? Yes. Because they all yes. four have it as a different <laughs> age. Well, that can't be. Oh, that's interesting. And yeah, it must be quite hard for you guys to kind of reconcile them. But then that's, sometimes that's part of the mystery, right? Yeah, it, it is. And it's kind of why we go by, okay, I need to see it in, you know, like three different places. Mm. Yeah, And then I feel comfortable that, okay, this is correct information. Mm. Brilliant. Um, and you've led me on to something I wanted to ask you because, and this is, uh, again, something else I really enjoy about your show is I think the way that you talk about victims, because you go into a lot of detail, obviously, about the people and the crimes. But I, I'm always impressed with how much sort of detail you give to the people who are victims. You know, I feel like it's you can watch a documentary sometimes and it's ended up just becoming like a really depressing shopping list of names of people. You know, and it's you know, like Kathy, she was 23 and it's like that's all you get. Whereas you guys will be like, oh, this is what her family said. And, you know, she worked here. And is, is that important to you guys when you're sort of putting these reports together? Yeah, it, it's very important. And I think it's become even more important based on feedback from the listeners. It's one thing that we hear okay. a lot that they really right. appreciate the fact that we're taking the time to not only dig into the killer, because obviously that's something you have to do, but try to go through you know, sources and find out more about the victim than what you would just find on the surface. Because that's kind of the sad thing. If you look at a lot of reporting, most of it is centered on the perpetrator. And, you know, unless they go talk to the family or do a piece on, uh, you know, talking to the family, sometimes there's very little information on the victim. And I actually kind of find that very sad. Yeah, it is distressing because you, you think, well, yeah, these are people often, you know, and, and in the worst case scenario, it's people's lives that are lost and that can have such a devastating effect on, uh, on the families. And even recently over here in the UK, there's been a huge uh, attention brought to how 
people are reported on, you know, as, as victims in the media, particularly women. Mm-hmm. I find it, and I find it really interesting. I don't know if you saw, I imagine you might have done, they did a, a Peter Sutcliffe documentary on Netflix not that long ago. Yes. Um, and we did yeah, cover kind of a, him on TCAT, mm, but I did watch the, you did. it was before yeah. I think the documentary came out, but I did watch it. Yeah. So you guys did a really good report a few years ago. Um, and obviously he's, he's one of the sort of most infamous here in the UK. But I was really fascinated on the part where they, they explore the media's role in describing the women and describing the victims. And it's there's a lot of very colourful language that they use to kind of, it was almost like downplaying each person, you know, like, because it was kind of famous at the time that Britain was in a depression. So some women had to turn to prostitution, which obviously they'd rather not do, mm-hmm. you know, but then it got very muddied and it was kind of, depending on who it was, they would sort of even go just by how they were dressed and decide, well, these, this is probably a prostitute. And then somehow that meant they, their lives meant less. And yeah, for really distressing stuff when you're watching it. And, and I think the older you go in um, the, the research, the worse that is. Obviously, we're better today. I'm not saying that it's perfect. But when you go back to the 70s and 60s and 50s, I mean, you read some newspaper articles, you're shocked at how these people, usually men who are writing these articles, are talking about these women. And I'm thinking, okay, it's not been that long ago. You know, you you brought up the word um, prostitution. You know, one of the things that we learned as we were doing the podcast and it wasn't right in the beginning, but you know, we learned that words matter. I mean, obviously we knew that words matter, but so we had sex workers who would reach out to us and say, you know, we really don't like the P word. Oh, okay. And Mm -hmm. so at a certain point in, and maybe it was a year in, maybe it was a two years in, I don't remember when exactly we started, but we started using the term sex worker um, instead just based off of feedback. And there's been, I can't think of how many different words that I've used my entire life and they still use today on the news or or whatever, but we've kind of changed it up based on feedback from listeners. Um, One really big topic is about suicide. Right. And, you know, for years and years and years, everybody has always said committed in front of that word. Yes. Okay. So one of the big uh, pieces of feedback that we got was, okay, it makes it seem like, uh, you know, it was a, a crime. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And so there's a push now and, and, and we've kind of started doing it as well. To, to change up the verbiage and just say, you know, this person took their life or some other form rather than committed. Yeah, I, I might have been you guys. I remember hearing someone talk about that recently. Um, it, actually, it might have been on a friend of mine, who Benny, who came on the show. Uh, he and his wife do a mental health podcast, which is really good. And I'm pretty sure they talked about that um, because you're right. Yeah, that that like you said, just by putting that one word in front of it, it completely alters the reader's perception of a victim and their life and the value. And 
I don't know about you. I, I gather that for some papers, it might just be because it makes it almost like easier to swallow as information for readers. It's kind of slightly less harrowing, but they still get the shock factor of reading about something. But as you said, it's if if it's offensive to somebody listening, like you said, whether it's a family of someone who's who's lost somebody through suicide or whether it's a sex worker or whoever is reading it, then it's it does more harm than good, doesn't it, surely? Especially well, when you're talking about true crime. Yeah, and yeah. and especially if it's such an easy change, right? It doesn't right, require right. that much energy for us to say it a different way and still we're still relaying the same information to to the listeners. We're just doing it in a way that we now know and didn't before it ne that it negatively affects some people the way that we used to do it. So, yeah, there's been a, a, a number of things. I mean, as much as we've tried to educate people about through the stories that we tell, we've learned a ton from the communication and feedback with our, our listeners. That's absolutely fascinating and, and, and good. Yeah. Good. If people's got, you know, they've got feedback and it's important, then absolutely. Yeah. Especially cause yeah, you're obviously talking about things that are, can be, I guess, triggering or, or quite distressing people to hear. So yeah, for something that adds a bit of, you know, salt to the wound kind of thing, then yeah, like you said, if it's an easy change, why not? Why, why yeah. Not why, why wouldn't you do it? Absolutely. Um, so, so I'm always curious then what, kind of cases do you find the most interesting to research i don't want to say enjoy because i can't imagine it's always enjoyable reading about some of these things yeah it's it's not i mean obviously it's work and you know the it the topic is fascinating to me but it's really hard to use that word enjoy um you know there have been so many different cases I don't know which ones fascinate me the most, to be honest with you. I can tell you which ones scare me the most. Okay. And that is individuals who kill their family. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. You know, I, so I'm thinking of like a Ronald DeFeo Jr. who recently passed away. That house later became the Amityville Horror House. But we've done a number of different episodes, whether somebody killed their entire family or, you know, a husband poisoned a wife. Those scare me because those are the people you're supposed to trust the most yeah. in the world, right? Husband, wife, yeah. son, daughter, parents. And, you know, when they kill family members, to me, that is just scary. Mm. No, it, you're absolutely right. It is. And it leads me on to something I've I've always wondered for you guys. I I think I've heard you talk about this before with like listener questions, but yeah, do you ever find some topics where like you do a, a research and you just kind of think I need a break from this? Like are there, are there certain ones you find quite triggering? I know you and and Gibby have talked before about you know when the stuff involves children because I think you're both fathers, aren't you? Which yes. again I could totally see how that would be distressing if you you're reading about someone who's done some horrible things to kids. You might go. Yeah, I need a week off. You know? <laughs> yeah. And to be honest with you, we probably don't do as many uh, cases involving children as maybe some other podcasts. We just sure. recently did the Moore's murderers, Henley and Brady. <sighs> They're in yeah. Britain. That was a tough one. We've stayed mm -hmm. away from 
James Bolger, even though, you know, people have asked for it time and time again, I, I just don't know if I can do it. You know, some of those, right. you know, when you spend, let's say a week researching, um, writing and sitting down to talk about it, you are drained by all of them, but especially for me, the ones that involve really terrible acts against small children. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's good that you take that approach because obviously that can be very triggering and upsetting for a lot of people. And yeah, it's best to kind of spread that out. So do you guys do anything to kind of almost wind down after researching a heavy topic like that? Yeah, we, we both watch a lot of um, Netflix or Hulu or, or, or whatever. You know, for me, I, I watch silly stuff. I've, I've got to watch something that is zany, kind of a sitcom that I don't need to think about just to okay. kind of cleanse the palate. Well, it's funny you say that because at time of recording, I'm working my way through uh, a sort of, I don't know if it's going to be a recurring or a one-off series where I'm doing a sitcom summer. So all of my guests that are on currently are doing sitcoms and it's lovely just to talk about silly programs. So I'd love to know what's some of your favorites. So yeah, I'm kind of out there. I, I love this show called uh, always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. Know that one. Um, mm -hmm. That that's one of my favorites. You know, I love the office. Um, oh yeah. Who doesn't? <laughs> and it's just, you know, I've seen all of the, I've seen them all probably, you know, eight, 10 times, but to just yeah. put them on, and kind of, I can still work, have it on in the background, and it just kind of, you know, resets me a little bit from the uh, the nasty stuff. Yeah, which is which is totally fine because it's it's like anything. Like you said, if it's work, then we all need a break from work from time to time, especially if it's it's quite heavy. But yeah, um, so for anyone who who knows your podcast, well, I should say podcasts plural, because of course you have a couple and you're sort of. You've got the true crime all the time and then true true crime all the time unsolved. So And then I have another one called criminology. You have another one. Criminology, that's the other yeah, one. Thank so I have you. three. So I mean, which it's interesting to me. Like which one of those do you kind of enjoy researching the most? Because they're all very different. Uh, yeah. That uh, for me, I I like solved crimes because you know there's the trial and you get all of this kind of detailed information that comes out. I like the unsolved because there's more mystery and you as the listener get to play amateur detective, right? We're giving you all the facts and we're giving you potential suspects or persons of interest. At the end of it, you can make up your own mind and people kind of like them for different reasons criminology is a, a, a or was a little different we started out doing seasons and that's something totally different so we did probably eight or ten episodes on zodiac i think we did 16 or 17 on the golden state killer um, and then at a certain point we switched to weekly episodes but um yeah they're they're all three interesting and but they have a different feeling, I guess. Even, even the, the two that Gibby and I do, they have a different feeling. TCAT is a little different than Unsolved. And you'll find people that will listen to TCAT and they love it, but they can't stand the not knowing. 
of unsolved. <laughs> There's a lot of people like that. Mm, I, I must confess, I, I do listen to the unsolved every now and then, but I, I think I'm probably in the camp where I prefer knowing that the person is either dead or behind bars because it just makes me able to sleep a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of tough to hear about a bunch of gruesome things and then you know think uh, about it at the end of it and think okay we don't we still don't know who this person is and we don't know where they are and yeah that mm. that is kind of rough yeah but then sometimes as well something that that fascinates me and it comes up in a lot of your episodes is you seem to get like crossover with a lot of like notorious people and it you probably could chalk it up to being one or two people that you know are kind of known prolific killers let's say for example and you think well they were in the area and it's it's likely it's likely it could have been them because as you guys frequently say and i totally agree with this you can never really know yeah these guys did one of the things about the research on unsolved is it it never fails you're researching what is you know sometimes a smaller case not really heavily uh publicized some of Mm -hmm. them and as you're researching it, you find out that this serial killer was operating in this same area at the same time and, um, Mm. or three or four different serial killers. And that's what really blows me away. The thought that there's that many bad people in the same area at the same time. (laughs) That's a scary thought. Yeah. It's like a very morbid Avengers. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You want one that you never want to see come no. together. <laughs> so um, I'm wondering, with all of these sort of cases you guys research, are there any that kind of stand out to you? As, like, I don't want to use the words like favorites and enjoy, but like ones that kind of stayed with you and be like, yeah, that was fascinating. And like you sort of unearthed a lot more than you initially realized. Yeah, there there are no doubt some of the cases I go in knowing most of it. Yeah. But every now and then I'll pick a case that I've never heard of. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Arthur Shawcross was one for me that I I knew who he was, but I didn't know every detail. And once I found out every detail, I was mortified because the things that he did were just, they were beyond belief. They, They really were ended up being a two parter. You know, there was so much information on him. Another case is one that we did pretty early on, on True Crime All the Time. And it's about uh, a little girl named Sandra Cantu out in California. And she was killed by someone she trusted. And that one really stuck with Gibby and I for a very long time. You know, we had trouble getting over that one maybe because it was early on, but maybe it was, you know, her age and just the circumstances that, uh, uh surrounded the case. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Again, I can see how that would take a toll. And I'm wondering if you guys ever thought about like throwing in the towel or anything like that or saying, I, I can't do this anymore or just ever. No, no, I, I don't okay. think we have. Um, you know, if anything, you know, when we first started in 2016, I can't believe it's been that long ago, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I started it kind of on a whim and we right. didn't think anybody would listen. You know, a lot of podcasters mm. don't, you know, you think all oh, your family's going to listen. You're going to get a few people. Now we happened to pick one of the more popular 
subjects and it kind of exploded in the year since. So no, I mean, we've always said we'll continue to do it as long as people enjoy it, as long as they, you know, keep listening. Uh, yeah, we'll keep doing it. We've, we've been flirting with some other ideas too, for, for other podcasts. So that you sounds good, man. I don't uh, am I right in thinking you guys are part of the, the Wondery network now or something? So I do see you pop up every now and then and sort of adverts and things like that. Yeah, true crime all the time. We're uh, we're with Wondery. the The other two were with uh, other companies. But okay, it's fantastic because right? I know those guys have been making waves in this sort of storytelling kind of way they do it. And yeah, I thought fair play if you've managed to get in with with someone like that. But yeah, you've been there. I'd say probably at the the cusp of when podcasting was getting really popular, you know, sort of around that era, 2016, 2017. And it has kind of gone crazy since. Yeah. We, we joined one, we've been with Wondery for three or four years. So it, was, it wasn't, you know, it was fairly still, you know, early on and it's uh, yeah, we liked them a lot. They put out a lot of, a lot of new podcasts and a lot of good podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the stories they come out with are absolutely baffling, but Again, that's I guess that's kind of the the big appeal of of true crime as a whole is so touching upon what we were saying earlier is it's so varied, right? It's not always just serial killers. There's there's all kinds of bizarre stories out there and things that happen, and it's like you said, it's kind of fascinating to learn about them. Yeah, you know, like uh, we did an episode on true crime all the time about this guy named uh, Tony Caritzas. He didn't kill anybody, mm. but he kidnapped someone held a, like a shotgun to his, to this guy's head had and the whole city rallied around him. It, it was kind of a really interesting story, but there was no murder involved whatsoever. And, you know, like on unsolved, you can look at a case like DB Cooper, which has fascinated yeah. me forever. Um, I know. you know, didn't mm. kill anybody, but there's a lot of mystery there as to what happened to him. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, you're right. Stories like that, that are absolutely fascinating. And yeah, who knows? Although um, if Disney Plus is to be believed, apparently it was Loki the whole time. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's one of those that's in the pop culture zeitgeist. And as you say, a fascinating story and, and fascinating episode. So really, really interesting stuff. Um, something I kind of, I wanted to ask about, and you, you mentioned it before we started recording, um, is is it true crime con or crime? It's just con? called crime it? con. Crime con. I'd love to know about this because I did one on Comic Con not that long ago, mm-hmm. and the idea of these kind of big conventions always fascinates me. But one that's based entirely around true crime. Yeah, tell me about that. What's that like? So obviously nowhere near as big as Comic Con because that's huge. Um, I think it first started in. I want to say 2017 was the first year that they did it. Um, they missed last year because of the the pandemic, but they pick a new, you know, they pick a different spot in the U.S. Um, every year. I don't think they've done anything outside the U.S. yet. They were talking about it, but basically, you know, they bring true crime podcasters together. They bring the folks from like Dateline. 48 hours, you, you know, the, the ones that tell the true crime stories on those Nancy Grace, you know, there's just, and then they have breakout sessions with people involved in certain high profile cases. 
And so you get to hear them talk, whether it's detectives or, you know, victims or whoever it is, they'll have a panel, Um, but uh, it's gotten really big the first year, you know, maybe a thousand people. I don't remember the numbers, but it's grown exponentially over the last four years. Hmm. I could see that because, I mean, there's all kinds of conventions. I've brushed up against a, a bunch of different ones in doing this show. And I've learned about like a Godzilla convention and a Star Trek convention and all these other ones that all sound absolutely fascinating. Um, so, yeah, I could, I could see a true crime one happening. I mean, as we've established, it's such a popular subject as a whole. And it sounds like they've covered a lot of bases there. Like you say, it's not just podcasters. It's It could be you've seen a Netflix documentary and, like you said, someone in, in that show just turns up i i remember actually not a convention but for some reason at a venue in in um in bristol not far from where i live they had the two lawyers who were involved in stephen avery's case for making a murderer and they were like just i guess talking yeah evening or so i I was really surprised to see that yeah those two guys kind of went on the circuit uh, and you know talked about the case but that's exactly the type of people that are crime con you know um the attorney from the staircase. If you've seen that one, I think mm. he was there a couple of years ago, but these big high profile documentaries, you'll have somebody there uh, from that. I must admit, I haven't finished the staircase. I don't know why, but I'm like I, <laughs> a couple episodes in, but it's one of those crazy, crazy stories. Yeah. which just doesn't make is. any sense. The more, the more it goes. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I was wondering actually on that subject, do you guys ever see kind of these big high profile documentaries and think, ah, that's ruined a, a case we were going to do, or does it ever sort of put you off doing one? Cause you think, well, it's been so thoroughly covered. Or do you think, well, that's just more research material. Yeah, it absolutely does. It didn't in the beginning. Cause we didn't have this plethora of, you know, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon prime, all coming out with these documentaries. Um, yeah, there have been times where I've been working on a case and, you know, I'll work on five, six, seven, eight at a time and they'll be in various stages and I'll put them away and come back to them. And one, I remember I was thinking about doing, and then the next thing, you know, they came out with a documentary on it. So I was like, well, I could do it, but I want to give it a little bit of time, you know, time to, to breathe. And some of the documentaries I love, And some of them I look at and I think, man, that is told from one side and one side only. And it kind of puts me off a little bit on some of them because they're, you can tell there's an agenda to really focus on one side as opposed to telling the whole story, which is what I enjoy. Like, I want to know everything. Don't leave out the stuff that makes your side look bad. Tell me that too. And so I can make up my own mind. Yeah, I mean, that's, excuse me, that, that's kind of what documentaries should do, right? Is that they're just to essentially report facts, right? you know, and like you said, you make up your own mind. But you're right, it's true. Sometimes there is a kind of a bias or an agenda. Um, but that's, yeah, that's really interesting. So you, you work, you said you work on a bunch at a time, I guess, does that kind of make it more interesting for you? Then if you're just kind of chipping away at little ones, every so often, then you end up with a a bunch that you can choose from. Yeah. A a lot of times it comes because I get, we get so many emails from fans saying, Hey, do this one, do that one. (laughs) Now I'll say 90% of the cases I've already heard of they're on the list. 
But every now and then I get a case and somebody will include kind of a, a synopsis of it. And I've never heard of it. It sounds fascinating. So I just drop whatever I'm doing and I start working on it. Now, I may not have time to get it done because I got to get something else done that's going out this week or whatever. But that's kind of how that happens. That's really cool. And um, am I right in thinking that that list is just ever growing at this point? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, that it's kind of the, the good and bad thing about crime. There's been yeah. so many crimes in the past. And they're happening every day. So, you know, we're adding to it, unfortunately. Mm. And obviously the old ones aren't going away. They're still there. You can talk about them and, and, you know, Mm. research them whenever you want. But the fact that we're adding so many, um, you know, it's kind of a scary thought. Yeah. Unfortunately, we'll never hear you guys say the words and that's it. That's all crime covered (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, we'll never. It, I know the list right now is probably up to about seven or 800. Right. So, you know, even at 52 cases a year, you know, you can do that math and think we could, we could be doing this mm. forever, just about if we wanted to. <laughs> well, I suppose the kind of morbid silver lining is that there's, you know, you're never going to run out of material at least. Nope. You've got something to keep you busy. No, uh, again, like I said, as long as people keep listening, we'll keep doing it because it is something that we enjoy doing. Yeah. You know, yeah. now it's rough, right? We talked about mm. that. It's not the easiest thing. And at the end of the week, when you're all done and you get that, and you know, this feeling when you set it up for that podcast to go out and that's mm-hmm. it, that's all you have to do until let's say the next day, that's like the best feeling in the world but all that came before that is, you know, it's work for sure. Yeah. Well, again, like I say, as a, as a sort of fan, really, of the show, definitely appreciate it. And um, I, I'm something else I want to ask you about. It's like change of topic. Um, we talked well, actually we talked about documentaries and representation, you know, of, of cases. And yeah, it's true to say that there's hundreds out there, and it can be of you know, one particular. Uh, murder and you can see it from several different angles for example one that's fresh on my mind is the uh the recent son of sam or sons of sam should we say that's another look at this guy who's been thoroughly covered even by you guys Mm -hmm. but it seems there's a completely new angle on it so i don't know do you sort of feel that there's there's always going to be kind of enough material for for shows like this to exist or is it kind of do you think it's perhaps a little bit oversaturated in that way? I mean, I do worry that it is becoming oversaturated, um, you know, because I think some of the documentaries are outstanding. You know, one that for me that I really enjoyed was uh, a Netflix one called the innocent man based on a, a book by John Grisham. And that I thought was, was really well done. I don't, think they're going to stop because you can always find, you know, family members and people that want to come on and talk about what happened. Um, that that's not going to change, you know, and, and the same with podcasts, there's always going to be new podcasts and there's going to be people that try it and decide that they don't want it. For me, that's a good thing. That just gives the consumer more choices. And if they like something better than ours and they switch, that's just 
the way it goes. But uh, so I, you know, I don't see it as a bad thing, but I, I can see where people would call it an oversaturation. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. And kind of going to the more extreme end of, of media. Um, I wonder what you take on a lot of movies that come out, because of course, movies, there has to be a, an agenda more or less, right? There has to be a narrative. They've got to weave in and, I don't know, do you sort of feel, how do, how do you feel about some of these films, whether it be, you know, biopic takes or even just non-fiction kind of, or sorry, fiction characters, you know, in terms of murder? Because some people argue that it kind of glorifies some of the behaviour because they don't necessarily dive into, like you guys, the facts and the surrounding elements of it and the victims. It's all just, you know, hey, look at this guy. He's doing slashy slashy for, yeah, you know, an hour and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with fiction. I don't have a problem okay. with fictional characters doing, you know, whatever. I think people right. know what they're seeing. It's not real. It didn't really happen. You can look at it as what well, could happen. So, okay. I should be aware of things. I do take, not take, but I have issues with some of the, the true crime biopics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Probably the the most recent one on Bundy was not my mm-hmm. favorite. It really okay. focused on, you know, the relationship that he had with his girlfriend. Yes, and it, it yes, really right. almost kind of humanized Ted Bundy. And I think mm. that's the it's not that it was a bad picture. It was that mm. it didn't really show in my opinion, the monster that Ted Bundy really was, it, it almost humanized him in a way. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I saw that that was with uh, Zach Efron. Yeah, that's the one, Zach yeah, Efron. He was great. I mean, the yeah. it wasn't a bad movie. I think the, my only issue was how they kind of left. And that that's obviously a decision they made, right? They were going in a certain direction but if you didn't know anything about Ted Bundy and you're just sitting down to watch this, you'd be like, well, Ted doesn't seem like that bad of a guy. <laughs> you know, that's kind of the way I felt about it. I was like, this guy was a monster, but we're, we're not seeing any of that. Yeah, that's so true. I, Cause that was one thing I, I took away from that film was, yeah, exactly that. I thought, well, I'm glad they didn't go like, you know, over glorifying gore and violence. Cause personally I can't, I'm not, you know, a one for that in films anyway. But also I was like, yeah, you don't want to glorify his actions in that sense. But at the same time, yeah, you're right. It was kind of very vague and ambiguous. And it was like you said, it was focusing on on the relationship that he had with his girlfriend, which I thought was an interesting angle. But I agree. I wasn't sure it was the right move to make it the entire film. Like to have it as maybe a scene or two would be interesting. But you're right. Yeah, because it's kind of left in a way where if you didn't know the story, you might be thinking, well, did he do those murders? Was he really a bad guy? Yes, he was. a. It's not exactly. Yeah. It wasn't implicit. And, and, and I liked what you said, you know, I I think you can tell those stories without showing the gore. And I love movies that do that. People that are smart enough to figure out that, that the audience is smart enough to know what happened without having to actually show it. I love movies that do that. They figure out a way to basically tell you what happened without making you watch it. If that, 
makes any sense. Yeah, because I just I remember there was one bit at the end that stayed with me because I thought it was a very powerful moment. Probably the only bit of the film I actually thought worked was where they, I think um, she confronts him and asks him if he did it. And he just, he just, it's, oh, you, you hear the sound of a hacksaw and he just writes out in the window and it's really creepy. And it's like, you know, so that's probably the only bit of the film that tells you like, oh yeah, he, he did kill at least one person. Yeah. But again, it's, it's nowhere near the extent of, like you said, who he was. I mean, if, if people then go and watch the documentary that's on Netflix, where it's his tapes and him talking, which is super chilling. It is. Yeah. You then you get the full picture and you're like, oh no, no, this guy was one of the worst human beings that's ever lived. You know, you actually get this, the extent of who he was and what he did. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I, I just find it fascinating. Yeah, I mean, if I have to pick, I'll go documentary over movie usually. Sure, um, sure. Because, yeah. I, you know, I want the facts. It's not that I don't enjoy some of the movies, because I do. But um, I, I really, I'm just a fact-based person. I, I like the facts. And then, you know, I, I don't need all the dramatization and things like that but you have to do that in a movie because that's what people expect yeah and yeah. so sometimes they kind of miss the point i i just remember another one i don't know if you saw it it was i can't remember what it was called but it came out a few years ago i think it was like my friend dahmer or something it was about jeffrey dahmer yeah but it was before he did any of the horrible things he did and like me and my, my, my wife watched it and because we, we were kind of curious to see like what story they wanted to tell and again you didn't really get the sense of what he ended up being it was very much like a a weird teen drama about a very awkward kid that was a bit creepy yeah and it was like it was literally an afterthought at the end and the credits like oh he went on to murder so many and you're like well that that's his story i think (laughs) i think part of it is you know those type you know Dahmer and bundy and and Mm. gacy and and some of those people, yeah. they've been covered so extensively that, yeah, you know, it's yeah, almost, it seems to me like some of these people that are making the movies, they're trying to find an angle that hasn't been broached. And I get that. And sometimes yeah. that can work. But again, if you're telling a story that really doesn't give you a sense of what this person actually did, then, you know, for me, I kind of, I kind of lose it a little bit just based off of that. Mm. Like I, I, yeah. I think going back to the Bundy movie, they could have done exactly that. They could have shown him, you know, doing things without showing the gore, but you know that this person no longer is a lot and then still kept the, this kind of relationship type part with it. Um, eh, that's just my opinion. No, I agree. And it, it kind of harkens back to what we were saying earlier about victims. And unfortunately, with that, you kind of lose, I think, the impact of what they did. And and this is, again, why I, I'm a big fan of your you guys, because I think you, you shine a light on the most important thing, which is the human element, you know, and, and the, the people that are affected. And unfortunately, like you said, through dramatizations, you can kind of lose that. And it becomes like an afterthought. And it's it's just a bit, I think it's like you said, if you're going to cover a true crime, I agree with you. I think a documentary where you can afford to be factual is probably the better way to go. Well, and I think that's why you see most of the documentaries are at least like three or four parts. Yes. Because, you know, that's one of the things I think about when I'm watching a movie based on a real person. Let's say the movie's an hour and a half. 
Well, how right. much real information am I getting versus a podcast that's an hour and 15 minutes where all they're doing is talking about yeah. the story because you have to, in a movie, set things up and you have to do all these other kind of ancillary things and you only have an hour and a half or hour and 45 minutes or whatever it is to tell the story you want to tell. Absolutely, man. And I often feel as well that through these uh, kind of stories, it's, it's more so in fiction than it is in the biopics, but they kind of over hype, I think the intelligence of a lot of these criminals. And this is something I find really interesting listening to you and other true crime podcasts is particularly with something like a serial killer. Like when you say to somebody, you know, think of a serial killer, who do you think? Most people think of like a Hannibal Lecter type, you know, like where it's like super intelligent and calculated and they're one step ahead of the... Pl and it's when you listen to like your show, for example, you realize that no, most of the time that's not the case. These guys are just, something's not right and they're compelled to do what they do. And it's mostly just dumb luck that they get away with it most of the time for as long as they did. Yeah, I mean, you know, in actuality, a lot of them are on the low end of the IQ scale. Many of them yeah. below 70 and, right. you know, but you look at like the green river killer, Gary Ridgeway, I think right. his IQ was 80. Okay. Not super high, but yet he was able to kill a lot of women over a period of time and get away with it. So yeah. he wasn't Hannibal Lecter though. He wasn't no. so smart and so calculating that that's not the reason why he was able to elude police. He got away with it because, you know, I think it's sometimes it's hard to catch these killers. And, you know, and then, you know, when you talk about serial killers, sometimes you're talking about randomness. And I think yes. that for yeah. police is very hard. If a killer has no attachment whatsoever with their victim, well, there's really no motive there other than the murder. You know, they're not getting right. back at them. And so I, I think the serial killer fascination that, that adds something to it as well. That's so true. And yeah, that, that's something else I learned listening to your show is exactly that. Like that again, I think it's because it's a comforting narrative that you can paint a lot of these people in a corner and say, well, you know, like, I, I kind of love these shows where they turn up and they can just read a room and they're like, Oh yes, I know that he likes this kind of person. And he, hangs around these areas and we know that he's going to be and like you said most of the time no you can't figure it out it's not that clean cut and dry like they might have a type they might have some kind of mo mm -hmm. so to speak but yeah you said that the ones that get away with it for the longest times are just random and that's kind of scary but it's it's still interesting to learn isn't it and it, it leads me on to a point i'm wondering is, is there anything like that any sort of interesting kind of facts that you've picked up by doing the show that you know, perhaps previously you, you believe certain things about a certain type of criminal, for example, or a certain type of crime. And from doing the show, you perhaps you've learned that that's not the case. Yeah, I guess, you know, I, I'll look at a case or a killer like Tommy Lynn sells. So one thing that I really never thought about all that much, I guess, was killers crisscrossing the country so what Tommy Lynn okay. Sells would do is he'd get on a train and, you know, just right. hop on a train, get off in some town and he would kill someone. 
and then he'd right. hop right back on the train and go somewhere else. Well, obviously very hard to find people like that. I think you can also right. throw in some of the interstate trucker um, killers in, into that mix. I, I guess I just didn't realize how prevalent that was, that these these predators are moving so much around the country. Right. That's that's fascinating. And yeah, it makes sense. Because I, I feel like, again, there's a lot of myths and fallacies that are bandied about with certain true crime and so it's just interesting to hear your observations on it really yeah i kind of always thought that for the most part killers were you know they had a location and they operated in some radius of that location whether that's you know it's their home where they live with their wife and kids or or whatever but you've got this whole other group that they're not tied down and they're able to pretty much go wherever they want, whenever they want, right. you know, that's really scary to me. Yeah, absolutely. But still, I mean, really interesting. And I would argue kind of almost important that you learn about these things, right? Because am I right in thinking that by being armed with more information like this, you kind of better know how to protect yourselves and your families, right? Yeah, it's why we end, you know, all of our shows um, by saying, you know, stay safe and keep your own time ticking. Obviously it's a play, Mm -hmm. a little bit of a play on our podcast name, but one of the things that we talk about a lot is, okay, this is informational, right? These are stories. We're telling stories about things that happened, but you can also learn from this. You know, you can see some of these situations and I think we all need to be in charge of our own, you know, personal security. We talk about that a lot, keeping your head on a swivel, making sure if you're coming out, you know, the mall late at night that you don't have your head buried in your phone. You know, you need to know who's around you as you are approaching your car um, Mm. and and things like that. I think that type of stuff is good for people to understand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. Definitely something you need to keep in mind. It's, it, it's almost like a positive lesson you can take away from these otherwise pretty horrible stories, right? Yeah, and, and we get a lot of um, emails and voicemails of people, you know, thanking us for that type of stuff. And that makes always makes you feel good, right? When you get something mm. like that where um, even like real-life stories of where people yeah. were in a situation and they went back to something they heard on the podcast and thought, uh-oh, no, this is not right. I'm getting out. Mm. And so that, wow. that always makes me feel good. That's brilliant. Um, yeah, I just kind of want to end on more sort of positive note. But yeah, how have you found the, the fan interaction? Because I think people might misconstrue someone who's really interested as in true crime. You know, I, I talk about this all the time, like we we can tend to stereotype and put people in boxes, yeah. right? But how have you find that the fans to be of, of sort of true crime and in your interactions with them? Yeah, it's it, 99.9% of the time, it's been amazing. Now, you're going right. to have people that say some off-the-wall things, uh, you know. I mean, that yeah. that you're going to have that in anything. But, um, yes. you know, our yeah. fans are amazing. A lot of kudos, which, you know... It, and sometimes that's hard to get used to when you first start out. I don't know, you know, how much of that, you know, you've had 
experience with because, you know, when I talked about CrimeCon, the first year when somebody came up and wanted an autograph or wanted a picture, I was like, right. we were blown away because yeah, we're, we're nobodies, you know, after this thing is over, we're going back to work and the people at work are not even going to ask us what we did this weekend. They don't know what we did this weekend <laughs> and they don't care who we are, you know? So it's, yeah, it's yeah. kind of surreal. And, and my family doesn't, they have uh, a hard time understanding it too. Like my daughters are always saying, dad, why would anyone want to take a picture with you? I was like, I don't know, honey. I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> but it's really cool. And it's really flattering. It's just hard to get used to. And right. you know, it doesn't even happen to me all that often. I can't imagine what real stars and people that are, uh, you know, followed and asked for autographs all the time. I don't know how they deal with that. Mm, I don't know either, man. Um, but yeah, th this podcast is very early infancy stage and I don't think I'll ever get to that point personally, but you that's know, what everybody do, says. You know. That's what we said too. Oh. <laughs> and the next thing you know, you'll be the first person I email, uh, Mike, if that happens. <laughs> now we don't get recognized on the street, right? Because yeah. that's no, kind no. of the thing with podcasting. You do have some mm. anonymity, People know your yeah. voice, but not everybody knows mm. what you look like. Now, at CrimeCon, they do because you, you know, you're set up at this big booth and you have your logo. So yeah. they're, you know, they're coming over. They know exactly who you are. So, but that's lovely, man. I think that's, it's nice. Again, I've, I've discovered by doing this show, it seems like everything I touch upon has some kind of subculture or kind of, you know, group of people that, are engaged and they're doing it in a positive way. And I think that's lovely. And it's, yeah, especially for a topic like this, which, which can be very heavy and serious. It's nice to know that people are, are there for the right reasons. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Cause there's a lot of stuff on social media right now that I don't care for. I don't think anybody cares yeah. for, right. That, that that's yeah. going on, but we have various groups on Facebook and different places and I'll pop in every now and then. And, you know, you can have, you'll see people having a discussion uh, let's say about unsolved who did it or about the TCAD episode. And I think it's awesome. I think, you know, it's awesome that people want to belong to uh, a group on Facebook and do it the right way and have civil conversations and have fun and stuff like that. It's awesome. It is man. It really, really is. Um, so I just want to ask is, was there anything else you want to talk about with regards to true crime or anything that kind of leaps out to you? No, I, I can't. Yeah, I can't think of it. Um, you know, there are probably people listening to this podcast that think, ah, I don't, I don't like true crime. I don't like the nature <laughs> of it. Uh, mm. But you know, I, I have to make the statement. You know, give true crime all the time, a little try, see mm -hmm. what you think. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing we try to do, and you know this if you've listened, we do try to mm. lighten it up where we can. We're not yeah. comedians. Yeah. We're not trying to be funny all the time you know, we kind of make fun mm. of each other and, yeah. you know, we mm. never make fun of the victims. We do make fun of the killer sometimes, but uh, nobody <laughs> usually really minds that. No, no. And sometimes they're absolute idiots. Yeah. You, know, you have to laugh. They do. But, they yeah. do really stupid things. And you think, well, how are they getting away with all this? But yeah, yeah give it a try. You might like it. Exactly. And do you know what? that's the essence of this show is for people to listen and learn. And even if at the end of the day you decide it's still not for me, 
that's okay. Just like you say, give it a try. And at least now you know and you understand a bit more about the people behind it and what it's all about. So, I mean, I just want to say thank you for giving me your time to to come and talk about this, uh, Mike. So, yeah, I mean, we've kind of talked in part about your shows and that, but I still have to give you the chance to plug, you know, where, where can the good people find you? Yeah, I mean, you can find us on any podcatcher, any any place mm-hmm. where you listen to podcasts now. So it's True Crime All the Time, True Crime All the Time Unsolved, and Criminology. And mm-hmm. the first two, you can also find us on our website, truecrimeallthetime.com. We post all the the episodes there as well. That's brilliant. Thank you. And I'll be putting uh, links in the show notes for you. That's so awesome, man. We'll have to, um, I'm, I'm always happy to do it. So uh, all I have to say really is just thanks for coming on, Mike. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. It was a lot of fun. Brilliant. And there we have it. A huge thank you to Mike for coming on to the podcast and sharing your love of true crime with all of us. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Definitely go and check out Mike's shows. I've put links to all of them in the show notes for this podcast episode, as well as where you can find him on social media. It's well worth giving him a follow. Uh, As I said, really, I'm a big fan of the shows that he does, and he's very thorough, very respectful, and as you can tell, just very enthusiastic about the subject. So what more can you want? As ever, a huge thank you to the resident artist for the show, Alex. If you want to find out more about commissioning some artwork from him, that is, of course, if you like the look of the logo, then please use the contact details in the show notes provided to do so. In podcasting news, I was able to jump on the fantastic podcast, Let's Jaws for a Minute. It's a show hosted by two previous guests of this very podcast, Sarah Buttery and MJ Smith, and they are going through a previous topic of this show, the movie Jaws, minute by minute or thereabouts. It's an absolutely wonderful podcast that I cannot recommend highly enough. And I'm not just saying that because they had me on an episode, but as it happens, the episode should be out now. It's episode 51, and it was their one-year anniversary. So a big congratulations to those guys make sure you go and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, If you've heard the episodes with MJ and Sarah, you know how much fun they are and they do an amazing job of going through Jaws. So that's Let's Jaws for a minute. Go and subscribe today. If you'd like to get in touch with me, then feel free to use the details that are in the show notes for this episode as well. I've put in my social media links, both Twitter and Instagram respectively, as well as email. I would love to hear from you any feedback, any comments, any suggestions for topics or even potentially the offer to be a guest on the show i welcome all of it and i would love to hear from you if of course you would like to go that one step further and leave me a lovely five star review on your favorite podcatcher then please make sure you tell me because then you will earn a shout out on the show i do periodically check apple but uh, i'm sure there are other other platforms that you can use to do the same thing i'm not 100 sure if i'm being honest so correct me correct me if i'm wrong if i've missed something because it's the least that i can do to thank you for your support and of course the other thing you can do that's completely free is just tell people tell anyone that you would like about the show anyone you think would enjoy it i'm sure they would appreciate it and i would appreciate it as well that's it from me i'll be back again in a few weeks time with a completely different guest on a completely different subject so until then stay tuned and stay safe